Blog Talk Radio. Just a little bit of technical issues. Give us five minutes to check it out. Again, be our guest and call 347-989-0180. 347-989-0180. 
347-989-0180. Now, we all have difference of opinions, and here's a place where you can express yours. All that we ask is that you stay on topic. Our broadcast time will change now. we got a new change coming. We're going from 10.30, to 11, from 10:30 and 11.30 a.m. Uh, on Thursdays to 8 o'clock p.m., um, all the way to 9 o'clock p.m. That's uh, Central Standard Time. You didn't, uh, that didn't roll off real easy. Baby. All right, all right, okay. Let, let, me, let me help you. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. Let me just, okay. I haven't been here a while. Give yeah, me a she's just so not we're, coming back. We're currently uh, on at 10.30 a.m. from 10.30 to 11.30 a.m. on Thursday. That's Central time. And that's Central Time. All right, and now we're going to be on Thursdays as well, same day, just different time. Uh, 8 o'clock Central Standard Time to 9 o'clock p.m. on Thursday night. And for those of you that are on the East Coast, it's from 9 to 10 p.m. Okay, so what she's actually saying oh, here we is go. our time has changed. And so we're going to an evening time, which is more like prime time, so we can reach more listeners. And we can be more effective in getting our message out to everyone. So, again, the time after today will change from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Thursdays, every Thursday night. Uh, please call in, you know, be a part of the conversation. Uh, we have very interesting conversations, and they're pertinent to what our plight is in the African-American community. So I also want to uh, give thanks to uh, Queen Mother for Real Radio for allowing us to even operate in this platform. Uh, Queen Mother Ia, her name is Ia Awafalola. That is so pretty. And, 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 and it was her idea that we would even have a show. So we thank her for that. And we're looking forward to all of the exciting things that can come out of us working together as a family. And so um, thank you again I, I like uh, to, thank to uh, the Queen Mother for Real Productions. Go and ahead, and Queen, Queen Mother, thank you. Yes, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, Kent, if you're there, I just want to tell you, thank you for taking my place. Thank you for standing in the gap. Thank you for being there with Daryl while I was out. <laughs> Lord That's, knows he needed your help. Kudos, kudos. Thank you. Well, we had, we actually had a really good show. I was there. Yeah. I, I mean, I heard it. And we had a lot of people. And I think I called in a couple of times, yeah. So, welcome back to you. You bring a lot of flavor and you bring a lot of excitement to the program, and I thank you for that. Uh, it's raining out there. You know how many times I slipped across the road. So, <laughs> just so that everyone will be on the same page, the foundation of this show is based on the book called The Superior Power in Black America. It was written by me, Darrell D. Uh, and, okay, there are three major points. Now, I want you to take your time and just talk about them so that, elaborate on them so everyone will understand the importance of what we're doing. All right, the major points that this book discusses are self-help and self-sufficiency and the fact that the black community has the ability to eliminate resources such as food stamps, general assistance, and government handouts. Now, that's really of no need to us at all. Now, that's, that's very important. That, that's the, the first point, is that we have the resources. We don't need government assistance and all that. That keeps us at a below-level uh, income standard. And it keeps us at a disadvantage, another type of disadvantage. Listen, you can't make enough money 
You can't make any money if you're going to be a part of those programs. You have to live below the poverty level. Mm -hmm. And so it's very important to come out of that mindset. That's number one. Well, you know, and our brothers and sisters get so caught up in it. Uh, I'll never forget. It's not a joke. But I'll tell you, I... uh, my my uncle told me this this joke, and uh, it's not really a laughing matter, but it was about a man that, that was in the bar. And so he goes to this bar, and um, I mean, and he hangs out. He grabs some some drinks. There's three of them actually. We're First, the book. right? I know, I know, but what I what I want is, is I got a point here, yeah. and I'm not a good joke teller, so I'm just gonna tell you it's just got a, it's got meaning to it. So out of the three men, who we call Jesus, walks in the door. And he talked to the first man, and he said, you know what, you're healed. Go on. You'll be able to go about your way, do whatever you need to do, get your life together, get your life back. Go to the second man. He asked him what his plight was. He told him what his plight was. He said, that plight is gone. Go ahead. Go out the door. Go about your way. Because these guys were depressed. They were drinking. They were in the bar. So he gets to the third man. He was like, look, Jesus, don't touch me. I don't want you to mess with me. I'm getting that Social Security check. I don't need nothing to stop it. And Jesus is like, what? So <laughs> I, I get the moral of the story is so many of our brothers and sisters are caught up in that web of I get this check. Now let me tell you, a lot of our brothers and sisters don't even need to check their getting. You know, I have someone in particular that I know of that's getting a check and doesn't even qualify for it. Okay. However, they get caught up in it. So those are the things that, that are, you know, the text and the, the food stamps. It's easy to get drawn into that, holding on to, I'm going to get that card every month so I can go to buy whatever I want and all that, but that's a whole nother show. Go okay, ahead. so, yeah, that's a good point. But you got to understand the purpose of that. It was a safety net for folks yeah, who that didn't. Was, that but, was let me the purpose. It was a safety net for people who were living way below the poverty level. Mm-hmm. So if, if there was a need, but it was it has been taken advantage of. Right. The second point, mm-hmm. the second reason why. And that's that's why it's a whole other show. Because then, and that whole other show, we can discuss how come that should not be done and what can be done to change your mind. It is culture. Yes. Okay, so the second topic, the second reason why the book was written. This book also discusses the need of unity and showing of self-love and pride in our culture by studying and understanding African history. Nobody said African American. We said African history. As well as the importance of our productivity and Mm -hmm. controlling our spending. So that's two points together. It's first, going back into the history, understanding who we are as Africans, what our culture was about. Most, many folks, like Monique just mentioned, many folks don't even know that the Moors were a black people that uh, rescued Western Europe out of the Dark Ages. Dark Ages is when men lived in caves, they had no fire, they were eating raw meat, dying from salmonella and all other types of diseases because there was no sterilization. So. The Moors, a swarthy people, brought, went to Europe because we have been, we scattered all over the earth, and rescued Europeans from the Dark Ages. So it's important that we know that and then draw from that, that, his, that history, that powerful history. You know, history. it's funny you should say that because, you know, I have a, an addiction to that TV show, Finding Your Roots. Yeah. And it was so funny because Kane and Ivory Wayans was on there. 
and he found out that his 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 great 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 grandfather was from Madagascar. He wasn't even from Africa, and he was like, "Oh my God, this Asian man, you know." And, and, and he was an Asian black man. He was Asian African man. Right. You know, he had African roots, but he was he was grown, born, raised, and and had roots in Madagascar. And so this this black man is is surprised that his great great grandfather was not even a slave. And then you have those well, that not even African. Uh, well, he was African. He yeah. wasn't a slave. He wasn't a slave. But he was African with African roots. But had been, you know, how everybody migrated. He had migrated uh, through the Black Tide and ended up in, in Madagascar, probably through his grandfather or something. But this was the thing is, like you said, it's the Moors, and then it's not just the Moors. There, there, like, and like I was just discussing, there was a Black Tide where we all ended up everywhere. We just ended up everywhere. Everybody has a little bit of. African history, African blood running through them. If I were if I were white people, I would do a uh, a tree, a family tree. But they would find out the same thing. They would find out the same yeah. thing. If everything originated out of Africa, even they have roots in Africa. You know, my my cousin. Let's, right, let's, well, I'm just saying, my cousin just did his, and he found out that our roots are from like England or something. Let's move on. So yeah, the book crazy. developed into a movement. Mm. It's called Spiva. The movement is where Spiva is a place. Go ahead, baby. You wrote that. <laughs> this book is also developed into a movement called The Superior Power in Black America. Where black people can join and build wealth in unity. That means we can come together and show them what we got. Um, we want you to visit our website at www.tspiva.com to take a look at our videos, to read about our mission. Uh, to join and become a part of this wonderful movement. That's, that's where black wealth can be built. Can We can obtain it, we can retain it, and then we can redirect it back to black communities all across America. That is the whole point. But so that's, that, so, that's so, at the so end of this me, show. Our motto, our motto with this is, you know how they have the motto for the dating site? Ours mm-hmm. is where black wealth meets. Okay, that's all a right. good motto. We just all right. That. So let's start with our first topic today, Mr. Freeman. Solutions to Gang Violence, the third episode in our series. Okay. So uh, this is, whenever we talk about gang violence, I don't want to just talk about it. I don't think it's smart to just talk about it. So last week we talked about deadly gang violence in America. This week we follow up with the conversation on how to stop it. I don't believe, again, I don't believe just talk will change people's attitude and actions. It is my belief that if you are living with gang violence, you have an obligation to stop it. You need to be active in stopping it. Gang violence affects all of us in one way or another, and it jeopardizes the safety of our neighborhoods. What else does it do, Monique? It heightens the murder and death rate in our community, and lowers property values. Um, gang violence influences young children and young adults to travel a detrimental path that they otherwise would not follow. Now, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the path that they otherwise would not follow. Okay. All right. So so we got this young man. Let's, let's use T, T as an example. Cause well, let's is, use somebody we don't know. Okay. <laughs> Well, you know, he's awesome. But, yeah. okay, so we have this young man. Uh, grows up, he's in junior achievement, um, getting all types of accolades, student council, things like that, doing very well. 
and uh, gets a little bit older, goes into uh, getting ready for college, college, college prep and everything, and runs across the wrong group of people that he at first thinks is the right group of people. Um, things happen like people getting shot by a mistaken identity uh, because you're hanging with the wrong crowd. There's also your chance of being arrested because you, you know, guilt, you're guilty so this by association. Achiever so this achiever is influenced by uh, individuals that mean them no good. The thing about it is we mm-hmm. have to reach those people that mean them no good. So he takes a, mm-hmm. a different path. Okay, so let's let's continue to read. We all have a family member who has been directly affected by gang violence, gang influence. Now, how do we stop it? It is my belief that the first change to be made is our reluctance to turn in the gang members that we have knowledge of that commit crimes. The message that we must send is that we that will not tolerate the death of not one more young, innocent child sleeping in their bed and being shot by a stray bullet meant for someone else. So, in other words, our children are being killed Please hold on. Uh, did you hit mute? Daryl and Monique will be back with you momentarily. Oh, we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't hit mute. Yes, yeah, she hit mute. We didn't hear you. No, we didn't. We didn't hit mute. We don't know what's going on. We got a we got a microphone set up. Oh, well, it, it muted out. We missed the the end uh, of... How much of the segment? Uh, just uh, a little short part when I came in. Okay. All right. Um, oh, we'll you were talking right. about um, getting involved and you were getting ready to share strategy. Okay. Okay. All right, we can pick it up from there. Okay. Are we back in? Yes. Okay. No. All right. So to continue. All right. So we we, we thought that we all have a family member who has been directly affected by gang influence. We talked about. How do we stop? And how we stop it, um, that we won't tolerate not one more young, innocent child sleeping in their bed and being shot by a stray bullet meant for someone else. Uh, the message conveyed to our youth should be that they cannot be categorized being a gang member by anyone. Now, how many times have you heard that an individual was killed and was not a gang member, but it was a case of mistaken identity? But it, right. How many times are black men accused of inca- or in, accused or incarcerated because they were in the wrong place at the wrong time? That's a mentality. That's a mindset. You know. Stopping gang violence is not a single change that we can make in our individual lives. It's more like a book filled with page after page of changes. Our our self-image must change. The way that we're perceived by the courts and law enforcement to see African-American men as a threat must change. The fear expressed by our elders who can't commute without looking over their shoulders. That means, you know, how many times, and you know this just happened in Chicago, Daryl, uh, an old lady that was 73 years old, an elder was, that was 73 years old, was standing on the bus stop with her groceries over on Ashland, and, and she was shot to death. 
You know, imagine how a family felt. I mean, look, you know, Englewood, uh, even some of the some of the uh, high, what you call, uh, 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 people that live in exclusive neighborhoods. Even in those neighborhoods, you can't walk down the street without fearing that uh, somehow you may become a victim of, you know, your identity is not. Somebody has recognized you as being a member, and you're not. You know. Well, I mean, I mean, you can't you can't recognize a seventy three year old woman as being a gang member. You shouldn't be. Okay, that's number one. And then number two, as far as uh, the, the people are concerned, I mean, these these women they go in their men, women and men, they can go in their backyard, start working in their garden, go in the garage, get in the car, and come out and they're getting robbed by their next door neighbor's son. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Uh, over twenty people were shot within one two days. Two days, was it 220 people that were shot within two days in Chicago? There were 17 people shot, and I think five of those people actually died. Yeah. Now, that's, you know, that's a tragedy that can be changed. That is, that's, and the, the biggest tragedy is that, hun, is that it's we who are killing each other. Now, we're doing the job that maybe someone else might would like to see, but cannot justifiably just eradicate a nation of black people. But you know so what? they put we, it in we, our own minds that we would kill each other, and then that is something that, you know, they you don't know, have to do. We sit here and preach about jobs. They need jobs. Change your minds. They need jobs. They need education. Well, yes, they need education first. You know, they need counseling first. But the first, and, and that's first and foremost, is counseling. And that's what Father Flager, that's where, where Reverend Meeks, they come in, you know, and they, they do counseling. They counsel these people. You've got to find out what the root of their pain is. What started this in the first place? You can't just walk up somebody, to someone, slap them in the face and say, you're a gang member. I don't, I don't like what you're doing. It's over. You've got to get to the root of the problem. And that's with everybody. That's with every circumstance. You've got to get to the root of the issue. And so what we need to do is find out what's going on. What's going on in the home? What's going on at school? Why are you not in school anymore? Why did you stop going? What was it that did you feel like you were behind? Is your parent not paying attention to what what was going on in your school life to make you stop? Do you realize that at this point you won't be able to go any further? You won't be able to do anything else but gangbang. You know, it's got to be that, some vocational training. You know, a lot of people don't want to go back to school. They, You know, they do better getting a GED. They'll do better learning a trade. You know, uh, there's a Nissan place out here that takes you on tours and helps you to figure out um, what's going on in the auto industry and, and helps you to uh, get a job. You know, just help, help these people out. These young kids got great advantages out here. But, you know, people don't, don't trust you anymore. They don't trust us in the African-American community. So here's how, here's how we change. Uh, first, again, our self-image has to change. We have to change how we see ourselves. And then we have to change how we, you know, operate within our neighborhoods. We have to do some self-policing. When we see uh, gang activity, we need to be able to either report it or uh, somehow counter it. You know, a lot of things that gangs seek after uh, are just things that they need alternatives to. So, for instance, why would you be 
uh, gangbanging if you have an opportunity to run your own business. But how many gangbangers are going to have an opportunity to run You know, it's funny you would say that because most gangbangers have a business. Their business is either drug dealing or uh, car, uh, you know, stealing or something criminal. Oh, so they, they, they have use, a hustle. They could use mm-hmm. those energies and do something more productive and, 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 and certainly uh, not criminal, you know, certainly not against the law. You could, if you if you have that much ability to think in ways to create uh, a way to support yourself, why wouldn't you think a little cleaner and and do something that's going to last a little bit longer? You know, criminal activity don't last; it doesn't really pay. You know, I I have some thoughts about that though, and I mean, this is our conversation, right? Yeah. If I was, I had to put myself in the shoes of a gangbanger. I had to put myself in the shoes of a little hustler. And and I, I had to put myself in, in that frame of mind for a few minutes. First of all, if I go into um, a community where I'm changing, um, first thing I'd have a problem with being my own boss would be somebody telling me what to do. The first thing I'd have a problem with is a young man coming in there looking for a job and he can't pull his pants up. But see, that's you as a boss. But I'm talking about you have to not think about – this is you have to – what I'm being taught right now is teaching with the brain in mind and teaching with the child in mind. So not only do you have to teach as a teacher, you have to teach as a student. You have to learn. You have to learn their patterns and what's going on with them before you can pass judgment or place blame. You know what? You are right about that. And I can tell you something. I can tell you something real important. You lead by example. So the people that's walking around that can't pull their pants up, they got that from somebody. Yeah, they got. They, you know where they, they got it from. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Right. I, I, for that part, I don't even care where they got it from. But yeah, I hear it a lot of stories. But they they're aspiring to be like something. So it is about example. It is about example, so but it's, it's not just by example. Again, it it starts at home. That's right. You know, every day I look at a little girl that could potentially be out there in Chicago right now. Other alternatives. Not and, and having an, a, a, different a different life, life a yeah. totally different life. We could have a different life. And we could have, but we chose not to have it. And it's not just in Chicago. It's in New York. It's, it's in California. Listen, last week we talked about 30 cities, mm-hmm. 30 uh, top cities. It was of the top line, high crime, murder rates, 30 cities in America. Mm-hmm. They, we, we, we listed top 30. Boston was one. Washington, D.C. Iowa. Uh, uh, Louisiana. You wouldn't even think that in Louisiana the crime rate was higher than Chicago. Uh, but you know what, then, too? I'm going to tell you this. It's not just African Americans. you got the sundown town. You have the people that are growing up thinking it's okay to be a KKK member. You have the people growing up thinking it's okay to be a white supremacist and to hate black people. Those are the first gangs. Yeah, those are the first gangs. Christopher Columbus, he was the first gang. See, you don't hear about that. And that's why it's so important to counter the information that we hear that is that we are that that inundates our minds with a particular image about what a black young black man looks like. You know what? We have and, to and, change and that. We, we have a we have an image in our world. You know, just like when we're in church. Remember we go to church and a Caucasian person would come to church and you and you can't say you didn't because I did and I know quite a few people did, but you'd be sitting there looking like, what they doing here? <laughs> but that's the same way 
that they look at us. And I'm not I'm not turning this around, but I'm saying everybody has the same issue on some level or another. And what I figured out because I sat in a classroom of little kids, and they're not little. They they mid uh, middle school children and high school children that that have these opinions that are so warped, it's ridiculous. I had a little boy in the classroom talking about how great Trump is and how Obama is like the dumbest president ever. That's an example. And I'm like, they're led by and, that and so and so I asked the little boy. I said, Have you ever listened to a speech with Barack Obama? I'm not interested. My dad says, I said, well, before you do that, before you pay attention to what your dad says, form your own opinion and listen for yourself. I said, and then see what's out there. So, you know, it just so happened that uh, Donald Trump did another crazy sound speech, and he was talking about another group of people that he would get rid of in a, that wall again. Mm-hmm. And the little boy comes in, and this is probably about two days later, and he's like, Miss Freeman, I went on YouTube, and I listened to one of Barack Obama's speeches, and then I was listening to what Donald Trump said, and my mother told me I shouldn't listen to my dumb dad. <laughs> and he said, and I was listening to Barack Obama, and he's actually a decent person, and I'm sorry if I offended you. I said, you didn't offend me. I said, you offended your intelligence That's because right. you're much smarter than that. That's okay, right. that's you right. offended yourself, and and that's that's exactly what it is. You have to understand it all comes from a place of ignorance within all of us. All of us have this little thread of ignorance. It's like DNA, and we do. We all have a thread of ignorance that sometimes manifests itself in ways that we we don't even realize. So we have to read down in there first and start with that. The second thing that we need to start with is teaching our children correctly teaching them to think for themselves, teaching them to to read the newspaper, to look at the news channel, to read history. That is a process in changing Mm -hmm. the image. That is a process. We have to go back and re-educate not only our children. Mm -hmm. We have to re-educate ourselves. You know, there's some adults out here that don't want to identify with Africa. You got to, they, they would have to understand. They would not be here you if it wasn't like, Africa. Yeah. You, you know, know I, and I, I have to tell you, I, I have opinions, and it is freedom of speech. And you can't say what you want, and I've been studying that, but you have to do it with tax. And I'm going to tell you, Raven Simone has absolutely no tax. You know, she is a black woman. Her daddy is about as dark as me. Okay. And she doesn't embrace it. And that's fine. I think she but, doesn't embrace the image that no, uh, she doesn't. She doesn't has. embrace it. Period. She don't want to be. She don't want to identify with. She doesn't want to identify with the people that put their hats on sideways she and got big gold racks in their mouth. She don't even want to identify with Whoopi Goldberg. She, I mean, it just doesn't matter. You could be, you could be whomever. She doesn't want to identify with. You know, she doesn't say that Malcolm Jamal Warner is her. Technical difficulties. We're waiting for the host and the hostesses to call back in. We have a caller on uh, as soon as the I say here they are. Greetings. Sorry. Uh, the microphone is a little unclear. 
So we are talking about self-identifying and then you have you have a call on uh, line. Daryl. Can you hear me now? Yes. You can hear okay. us. Okay, we don't know why we have a right. today. We, we do apologize for our technical That's difficulties. Right. We have a caller on as well. Okay, all right, very good. Well, who is the caller? Bring her up. All right, thank you. Hello, hey, caller. Hey, what's going on? Peace, 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 love, and blessings. This is uh, your African brother, Shu. It's spelled S H U. Um, the African brother shoe. Uh, I, I was calling to join in on a topic. I, I was loving how y'all was building um, with each other and how y'all was talking. Um, as far as e- even helping us take the black dollar out of white America and even helping us build Africa back. But um, <clears throat> it's some it's certain things that you said that I did want to. You said um, in order for us to, to you know like rebuild Africa, we have to change our minds and re-educate ourselves. Did I hear you correctly when you said that, brother? Well, what I said was uh, we have to re-identify with our African roots. You know, many of us don't even want to recognize that we are everything originated out of Africa. But not rebuilding Africa, rebuilding our African roots here in America. We built this country. We're not going back to Africa. You know, we need to have our wealth right here, and we generate enough of it that we can benefit from it. And it would be like rebuilding Africa in spirit, rebuilding who we are, acknowledging who we are. As Africans who are living in, in America, America, which ultimately makes us African-Americans. Is that the question that you're asking? Um, no. The question, I want, the question I want to ask is basically, do you think the outlet of information in society today is conditioned to lower us as a people um, as far as our conscience is concerned. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let me tell you something else. Uh, Because we are so uninformed in many ways, uh, the images that anyone else projects about us, we aspire to achieve those images. You know, I'm going to tell you, I know exactly where you're going with this. We do know the truth. And and that's what the superior power is about because we know the truth. The truth has been hidden from us for so long. We don't know the truth about the Statue of Liberty, for instance, in New York. Well, nobody you, nobody knows you, about nobody knows about the chain on the ankles. Nobody knows that the Mona Lisa was really black. Nobody knows that the images of what we call Jesus here are of of actually of royalty of a, a royal child and a, a queen that that they took from us. We know the truth. It, does that help your question? And if not, elaborate a little bit more. Um. Okay. My my whole thing is, um, the information that's designed out here today does it basically lower our condition as a people. When I say that, I mean to say that, okay, we were, we go to school, right? When we go to school, we were taught, we were, we were taught how, like, to go to the gym. We were taught mathematics. We were taught um, certain things. 
but how to get the necessities in life, like how do I obtain a house? We wasn't we wasn't not taught those things in school. So my whole thing about it is, um, <clears throat> we're talking about Africa. Since we're talking about Africa, this is an outlet of information. This outlet of information, I'm asking you, is it designed to lower our condition as a people or is it designed to build us as a people? And I want you to really think about that before you answer it. Okay, so now are you talking in in, in particular to our segment of the outlet of information that we're putting out? Or are you, are you speaking about the outlet of information that is given to us when we're in these schools, when we're in this world, that they choose to give us? Now, which one are you referring to? I'm referring to both. Okay, so to answer the question, our platform is to elevate. And the, 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 the main part of elevation is self-awareness. We need to not only listen to outlets like this, especially if the information is important and it's correct, but we also need to do self-research and find information out ourselves and then also uh, be an outlet for information. Okay, now my answer to that question, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, my answer to that question, son, is first of all, yes, the information the, the the information given to us that is fed to us on a on a constant basis is conditioning information. And it does lower the standards. Okay. Now, as far as that, as far as where we would get you, the first part of your question, there is plenty of vocational training out there, but what we're doing is we're trying to create a media a medium or a media where you can come, where our people can come, and that's what we're trying to do. Uh, and get, and get real, get, get, real get, get vocational training with regard to trying to find a job, how to balance your bank account, how to do what it is that you need to do to make it in this world, to get out of that system. Okay, so that was the first part of your question. The second part um, that I'm going to answer is, again, yes, a lot of this stuff is conditioned. It's like looking at somebody and saying, you agree with me, right? And you're shaking your head, yeah, yeah. And they're shaking their head, yeah. And you say, yeah, but you really don't feel like you agree. That's conditioning. And so, yes, we have been conditioned to think, feel, and walk a certain way. And I want to add to that. Um, in our school systems, American school systems, they generally teach about uh, African history starting in the 16th century. Not here. Okay. And that 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 doesn't talk about who we were prior to uh reconstruction or slavery or uh you know. So the conditioning started a long long time ago and it's not just in our own little communities. It is nationwide. It is cultural and you know, that they they put us in a category that would uh, keep us at a lower standard than everyone else. You know what's amazing? It's, it's good that you asked that question because as a teacher, I'm finding that, you know, with the curriculum, they give you the curriculums now. As teachers, you have no control over what you teach your children, and you want so badly to tell them, hey, no, this is the truth, but you can't tell them that because they have a curriculum designed for you. And what's really, what's really tripped out, especially here in Texas where I am, is that, my children only learn about Martin Luther King during African American History Month. 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 
right. okay? And they don't they, they know about Harriet Tubman, but they focus on Martin Luther King. And when I ask them if they know who Malcolm X is, they're like, no, who's that? Okay. So, so yes, that's conditioning. That's that's definitely conditioning. Did we answer your question? Um. Yes, I had a part two to my question, and that and that is All right. we okay. are. And that is, if we are re-identifying ourselves with Africa again, then um, don't don't you think to change a person's mind, you have to change their environment, um, brother? How do we change? How do we re-identify ourselves with Africa if we if we're if we're still in our old environment? How do you change someone's mind but and keep them in the same environment? Doesn't that make okay. doesn't that reproduce the old environment? I mean, the old okay. thinking. All right, so. Uh, that's an excellent question, and it is it is so cool that you would seek that because there are platforms that you can use. Now, we we have established one, and the platform that we establish in order to change the environment is we know we need economics, economic development in the black community. And if we don't bring in a way of lifting the standard of living in those communities, that we can't change our image. We can't change what's going on. If we don't get the guns out, if we don't get the drugs out, if we don't get the gangs out, we cannot change. That's the that's all of the ingredients that we have to create whatever we get. So we have created a organization called SPIBA. Now it is an organization that you come to, that you join, that you invest in, and the money that's, that's, that's obtained in it is directed back to the black communities in order to change the environment. That is the whole point. So I would encourage you to go to tspiva.com. Take a look at that website and see what it establishes and see if that's something that you might be interested in. And I'd like to answer it, too. I'd like to ask your questions, too. FIBA is a very important part of rebuilding our communities because we want to go in and we want to go. That's where the money comes from. That's how you change. We, we, like, we like to build uh, platforms for community leaders. Grab some people in these communities and help change things. Have counseling sessions. Sit down and talk to these people that want things to change. You can't change what you see around you unless you change what's going on in your life, in your space around you first. And the thing is, you have to be in the game. We can't, the reason why uh, Spiebel was produced and created is because it is a platform for change. We We can't change anything if we're not in it to change it. So it's participation mm-hmm. from all of us. FIBA is seeking to obtain 10 million members and then put that energy in the uplifting of the black community. Right. Now, another part of that, too, and I'm going to elaborate on this and I'll be done with, the, with it, and I hope that we answer your question, is when it comes down to changing your environment so that you can do better, I know some young men that grew up in the south side of Chicago, and it was crazy around them. Their family members were getting shot. Things were happening, and, and it, was, it wasn't nice. It wasn't nice. It wasn't fun. Well, couldn't walk to the bus stop. Couldn't walk to the bus stop. Couldn't go to the grocery store for their mama. Couldn't even get in the car that they got for themselves because somebody stole it. But what they were able to do was focus 
and apply themselves and, and, and go into what they needed to do for themselves and change their lives. And guess what? Those very same people are also community leaders out there themselves now. And what they're doing is they're doing what they call reach one, teach one. They're out there. They're reaching their brothers and sisters, and they're teaching them, and they're trying to get them into these community centers, but they need help. And organizations like SPEBA do that. We're out there to try to spearhead and, and, and actually help those grassroots organizations to do something greater. No. Okay? And that, that's, what, that's what we're doing. But you've got to apply yourself, and you've got to make sure that you stay on track. Because you can't use your environment around you as an excuse. You gotta get up and you gotta stand up and you gotta make a difference so that you can reach back and help somebody do the same thing that you did. So now here's where it all starts. You go to the you go to Lulu dot com and you get the book called The Superior Power in Black America. That book establishes the foundation for the movement. Are you still there, Carla? Yeah, I'm still here. I, I have another question, though. Okay, go ahead. Um. Um. Uh, okay. Uh. So, 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 this is my whole thing about that. Um. I'm not. It, it's like this. Should we, as Black people, as as excuse me, African people, African people. Should we look for validation from our race to see who we are, or should we look for validation from ourselves to check out who we are? You know what I mean? Because I'm not sure right now whether I should seek validation in other organizations to validate who I am as a person, or should I valid should I use my validation on my own self, and should I validate my own self? Should I do I need other race to validate who I am as a person? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or Okay. Well, when you say should you use another race to validate yourself, uh, you should never use anybody or anything to validate yourself. You validate yourself. Validate means what? Do you know what validate? Can you define validate for me? Um, To confirm. Validate, confirm. Va- validate, validate. The root is value. Validate is value. You want to value yourself, confirm that you are valuable to yourself. So you have to validate yourself, and then you use the information that you get from other entities, whether it's school or an organization. You get that information. You apply it to your life, and it makes you more valuable, and you then confirm yourself further and validate yourself. So the answer is no, but but here let me let me ask let me piggyback on what she's saying. Um, in in the book, the Superior Power in Black America, it talks about uh, how we want to align ourselves with other cultures. But the truth is, they don't have the same values as we have, and so we really have to aspire to uh, set a standard for ourselves and not be like everybody else. I got to tell you something, man. If we spend $1.1 trillion, we're supposed to be higher than everybody else. And so in order to align ourselves with everyone else, we're going to be lowering our own standards. 
because we're kings and queens by his, by by heritage. Well, we'll be, we'll be and so if we if we're gonna align ourselves with European normality, then we're gonna be lowering our own standards. So no man, what we have to do is aspire to achieve a standard of our own and identify with our own culture. So we cannot, we really cannot uh I you know, be defined or validated by any other anybody else, any other culture or anyone else. But see, but most importantly, outside of culture, most importantly, out of outside of culture, outside of finances, outside of any other definition, you have to reach within yourself, find your self worth and value, take that self worth and value, get the information that you need, the information that you seek. If you want a higher degree, if you want a higher portion of education or a higher level of education, rather, if you desire those things and those things help you to elevate who you are, That's right. you are then validating who you are. That's right. Nobody can validate you but you. That's right. So nobody else can. I can't walk up there and say, you know, Mr. Freeman is my husband. I can get in his amen corner and I can vouch for him. But I can't validate him because we don't think or have the same dreams or aspirations. We're not the same person. You got any more questions? Does, does that answer your question? And please come with other questions. Yes. Yeah, do you, you have any more questions? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Um, okay. That does answer the question. And one of the other questions was, um, you, you mentioned a black America. Um, what facts do? What facts can we rely on to prove that black America does exist? Because first of all, how can we, how can you say there's a Black America out here when all the dollars and all the dollars and the tax and all you know all the dollars goes to the white man, you know what I mean? So right. it goes to white America. So what facts can we rely on to prove basically that Black America does exist? Okay, so that that also is an excellent question. Uh, I'm surprised though because. Everyone knows that black America exists, uh, especially when it comes down to dollars. Macy's knows, Walmart knows, ATB knows, Jewel Food Chain knows, Bank of America knows. That there's a, knows. That there's a Nike black knows. American. Nike knows. You know, uh, all of the governors and the uh, presidents and everyone knows. Now, they know that we are a 13% population, but they also know that we are the fastest growing population. And they know we're big spenders in their population. And we are tremendous spenders. And so if you take black America's uh, ability to spend money in their establishment, it Mm -hmm. will disrupt their whole program. Okay, so do some research. Look at black spending in America. Just Google that. And you will find out that there is a black America that is very significant in this country. Okay, now, and I have a two-part answer to that question. The first answer to that question is, of course, there's a black America. Look at your creators. Look who created everything around you, the cotton gin, the one that they used against us, Okay. Look at everything that's created around you. There is a black America. They bought our African brothers and sisters over here, not because they just wanted us here, but they got a chance to study us first. They got a chance to study who we were first before they brought us over here. 
we are very, very resourceful people. So, yeah, there's a black America. The second thing is, this is where you go to that first question. Right, the the first question that you asked about conditioning, let me tell you. They know that we're big spenders, but they want to put it in our minds that we're not big thinkers. Because the first thing that they do when you get your report card at school and you know you did well is tell you, no, you didn't do so well in that class. When you look at the statistics, what they call report cards for each school, you'll find out that they categorize us as either African-American or disadvantaged, okay, economically disadvantaged. And then they say that our scores as far as math, English, or whatever else are lower than everybody else's, okay? Now, let me tell you, that's part of that conditioning to say that we're not – we're big spenders, but we're not big thinkers. And we're not big thinkers. So, right. So – so if we're not big thinkers, then, of course, we're going to think that there's no black America. Yeah, they're getting our money because they've already set us up to think that we're not big thinkers. So like he said, like Mr. Freeman said, if we're big thinkers, then guess what? We can take our money elsewhere, and we can build upon that. But, yes, there is a black America. So And, and also, there is a superior power. In Black America, and that's exactly what that's, we just and, and that's the whole that's the whole uh, thing, man. But I listen. You can buy this book at Lulu dot com. You are very interesting because you are your your mind is wanting to learn more and you're asking questions. And so some of these questions are uh, answered in that book. It it has a five step plan on how to redevelop as a powerful Black America. And so that's something that not just you, but all of our young folks uh, have to get, have to read about so that we can start retraining the way we think. If we retrain the way we think, we will, we will act different, and then we can develop in a different way. So, so caller, how did you hear about the show? Are you there? Hello? Yeah, are you still there? I think she's still there. Okay, well, we're at the end of our show now. We're going to start telling you a little bit about what we do with SPIBA. Again, we want to mention our thank you to Queen Mother for Real Radio for allowing us the platform. And to thank share you with to you. the caller. Thank you, caller. And we're very excited about our future and endless opportunities with Queen Mother for Real. Great things happen when great minds converge. Mr. Freeman? So, uh, as usual, uh, I just definitely want to let you all know that the book, The Superior Power in Black America, is uh, located at lulu.com, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and also you can read up to 58 pages of it for free uh, if you Google book it. Now, you can Twitter. You can get on Twitter, right, because Mr. Freeman, because Daryl is out there on Twitter, and it's amazing because he's got more friends than I do now. (laughs) It's at Landau Smooth, at Landau Smooth on Twitter. So you can tweet with him. He does a lot of political tweeting, and he's got the attention of quite a few people. And also you can visit our blog at LifeWithLandau at blogspot.com. We just reached um, over a a 1,000 page views. So the the messages are getting out. It's very and and I'm real happy about that because I've been working at it for a long time. But we we just uh breached that 
1,000 viewing page, and ironically enough, the viewers are coming from North America as well as America. That's like up in well, Canada. Right. Well, the North, we are North America, but the America. First third. So you North. want to look at Canada mm-hmm. and, and then all of our coasts as well. Um, so, I'm, I'm excited about that, too. Don't forget, go to our website, www.tspiba.com, and definitely join this movement here at SPIBA. We can can create. We can we can produce one thousand mil, black millionaires per year. But it what it depends on is if we get the membership, and then we get the revenue coming in. We can then turn that revenue back around and redistribute it back to the black communities. That the. The point of us spending $1.1 trillion a year at Walmart and Sears and all of those places, none of that comes back to the black community. None of that money can we use to revitalize our communities. We can't take any of it and build new schools. We can't put roofs on uh, Ms. Johnson's house or the neighbors who need the work, the neighborhoods that are hardest hit. We can't police those neighborhoods. We can't get representation. Even our uh, congressmen and uh, senators, they, they look the other way when it comes to rebuilding black communities. And so the, the, the objective here is that we would take our resources and rebuild for ourselves for the benefit of each other. Other than that, we're stuck. Even a black president is almost powerless in the White House to uplift a community of people of color. There is so much opposition in our politics that this country hasn't moved forward in a significant way in eight years. And it's all because there is a black president in the office, even though there was a lot of opposition when Clinton was in there, you know, uh, still, you know, it's greater today. So we can't expect someone else to uplift us. We have to do it for ourselves. Now, again, we'd like for you to join us um, uh, after the show. You can tweet with us for a little while at Landau Smooth on Twitter. You can go to our blog, um, Landau Smooth, Life with Landau at blogspot.com. We thank you so much for coming in. Are you there? Thank you all for joining the show. This is Darrell D. and Monique, Ms. Monique. We'll see you guys next week. Don't forget, it's at a lower, it's at a later day, later time in the day. Thank you again for joining the show. Bye, everybody. See you next week. Hey,